0: Welcome to the Diversity Sauce Podcast from KidMap,
1: the Kids Inclusive and Diverse Media Action Project.
0: We're your hosts, Kabir Seth and Amy Kraft.
1: Diversity Sauce, don't dribble a little on at the end.
0: Bake it into your children's digital media from the beginning.
1: All right. Happy summer, folks. Happy almost end of summer, Amy. crazy I know it flew by it always does it's it's crazy I just I I cannot believe it so so much has happened um where uh where did we want to start where did where do you think we should start
0: well we should probably start with recent events uh you know it's been quite a quite a summer in the United States yes with Charlottesville and Mm. uh events unfolding afterwards
1: yeah I Charlottesville was just last weekend, is that right? Was it a week I feel ago? like it
0: must be two weeks ago now, right?
1: Yes, that sounds that sounds right. <laughs> it's so fresh I, in my mind. Just, It just—it feels like there are times where you're like, it's Tuesday. Why does it feel like this has been a week of news already? Um, exactly. Yeah, it. I think that's a that's a good place to start. So, um, I. I was not like I. I sort of caught this as it was happening on Twitter, um, and I did not sort of um, catch the. This was a, this sort of centered around the the statue controversy. The um, there was there was a basically a move to to bring down this. They they were protesting the statue coming down of Robert E. Lee, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know basically that, that turned into a neo-Nazi rally. Um, so what were sort of your first thoughts, um, and then sort of as, as the weekend went on and, and then into the week, how, how did things change for you?
0: Well, it was a lot like the election itself. And I, I likened the week afterwards as being like the week after the election of just still being surprised. Mm -hmm. And I know, um, people of color will tell me not to be and it's like the the white feminist uh, thing of like I just didn't know I didn't know I didn't know how bad it was and now it's sort of like the the hoods are off the Mm -hmm. everything is uncovered and now we can just like really see and assess where we're at and you know it was a really it's a really hard thing to grapple with, but then it turns into what do we do now? What do we do? What can we do? How do we move forward? How do we make things better? Um, and that brings us to, um, one of the pieces we want to talk about. Um, it's from a site, greater good magazine, um, by Jill Sutty. Uh, she writes about five ways to reduce racial bias in your children. And I think that that was one of my initial thoughts. It's like, well, you know, the, the one thing we all have to do is make sure to, not raise people who are going to be marching the streets with tiki torches and talking about white supremacy.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I, 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 totally agree. I think, um, as like a father of two, two young kids, I think like this, um, that's sort of your, your first initial thought is, is how do you, um, how do you make sure this doesn't happen? Um, and I think, you know i've seen sort of a lot of these studies and sort of like the things that you should do and i think one of the biggest things that these that you know over and over what you what you what they talk about is how important it is to talk about it to right. talk about racial bias with your kids and ignoring it is actually what creates the bias or you know what can sort of uh, reinforce the bias. And yeah,
0: I, I was for sure raised in the, the theory of colorblindness, mm-hmm. um, which now I think people are rightly calling out for, like, no, 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 that's like a position of privilege to be right. able to say, like, I'm colorblind. Um, and to understand that and to unlearn that thinking um, is just like one piece of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what it says, like number four, specifically talk explicitly about race and the effects of racism. Like, it's, it's so critical. And I think I connect this so much to when we, um, like, when we talked about hidden figures and it's, like, forgotten history or mm-hmm. ignored history. And, like, that piece of it also connects to this, to the statues and when those statues went up. I mean the I think if you ask the average person, you know, when did these sta- when do you think these statues were built or when do you think they were erected? And people would say, "Oh, it's probably like, you know, right after the Civil War." It is not the case. There's not like we are not taught anything about this. And sort of as a result, when this so-called controversy comes up, there's this feeling that like, "Oh, this thing is really old. It's part of our And, and that's not, they were not built as like any, they were not, they were built as a way to basically to show white supremacy and to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically that, you know, they came up as, as part of the, when the civil rights movement was, um, was, was growing. Yeah. They were like tools of suppression. Yes, Exactly.
0: Thank well, you. and it was interesting. Like, I came across an article today or yesterday that was talking about the African American women in the abstract expressionist art movement. And it's like, who knew? Right. And it's because, like, and I think that all these people who are, like, fighting for history have no Idea. understanding of, like, how whitewashed history has been. Right. So you're not really, like, saving anything. Yeah. Um, But getting back to this list, um, you know, like she's got like the five ways to reduce racial bias in your children. So number one, expose kids to more positive images of other racial groups. And that's a huge part of like what we at KidMap are trying to do is make sure that kids like that all of the children's media producers are really thinking about this specific thing of creating role models like hidden figures, like things like that to really like show great role models in action. We have a couple examples of that coming up.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, help your kids develop cross-group friendships. Um, cultivate cross-group friendships yourself. I mean, that's that I feel, feel like is the biggest one of yeah. like bridging understanding like across all these divides. Um, and then you were saying earlier, talk explicitly about race and the effects of racism. And then work to combat your own biases. And I think, like, some of those two last points, like, you can feel the discomfort that people are experiencing of now, like, understanding that they need to do this work. And it's uncomfortable, but, like, the more you do it, the less uncomfortable it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, they talk about you don't avoid the topic because you're uncomfortable. And, yeah, you have to go outside of your comfort zone, but... um it's it's so critical I think number four is is just really important I think you have to um, avoid the term like you're saying avoid color blind and and that it, we have to sort of face it
0: and and, mm-hmm. and and it's okay to be imperfect. And I think that it's okay to be called out for being imperfect. And I think that that's what people are really afraid of right now. Like the controversy surrounding Tina Fey's comedy book uh-huh. bit about taking It's like she made a joke. Some people didn't take it well, understandably. Some people found it was really funny. But for her to be called out for being imperfect is not a problem. It's more like, oh, I see where you're coming from. Now I can consider that in the next thing. And it's okay. Like, it doesn't make you a bad person
1: because
0: you did something imperfectly.
1: Right. Exactly. And I think it's important to recognize who's the ally and who's not the ally. And so,
0: And I, think- I was laughing because I tried to have the explicit first talk with my seven-year-old son uh, about... <laughs> about his privilege and his takeaway is like so I'm really lucky this is awesome <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, I think I, I remember you posting that on Facebook so I get more stuff yeah. it's like this is great
0: <laughs> it's like getting everything I want and I'm like okay so that point didn't go so well would this will be an ongoing conversation right. and we'll, uh, we'll uh, get that's it that. that. yeah Exactly. But it's not meant to be solved in one conversation, I think is like, what all these different posts about this are getting at. But yeah. Like, it's ongoing. And yeah, we all need to dig in and do the work.
1: For sure. And I think the thing is, if you start that conversation with your kid, like, they are going to go away from it, they're going to come back, they're going to sort of process, they'll come back with questions like, it will mm-hmm. be this ongoing dialogue, and like that, slowly, that uncomfortable feeling will, you know, will become less and less. I think that like that silo will come down, and like yeah. that's that's so critical. Um,
0: and bringing all that positive media of different types of people into the house, so that he can see characters that don't look like him. Um, right. That's like exactly. reading across walls idea of like just don't keep to things, people who look like you, like really try to branch out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that sort of, um, you know, that idea goes directly into sort of the next couple of articles that we wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. One is from, um, from a little while ago in Forbes. Um, it's entitled from frozen to star Wars, Disney conquered Hollywood by betting on girls. Um, and so that, you know, they, they go through, um, things that we've talked about so many times, the, um, Rey being the, the centerpiece of now the new trilogy in, in Star Wars, but not just Ray, right? Um, in Rogue One, Jin Erso is, is the focus, um, you know, this, the story revolves around her. Um, and so they've, you know, it sounds like, you know, the article goes through a couple of things. They talk about Disney's attempts to craft live-action, boy-friendly adventures were unmitigated disasters. Um, and and it was, you know, as they sort of turned their storytelling to focus on making films about and for girls and women, the box office started to change. Um, mm-hmm. their, their return started to change. And that, uh, you know, that that makes a lot of sense.
0: It's um, a crazy thing when you stop ignoring half the population. Right,
1: right. It's just <laughs> it's weird. Um, it it all comes together. Um, so th- I I think this was um, this was exciting. I think um, you know I've talked about on the show before that um, my son last year for um, for Halloween went as Ray, mm-hmm. and um, one of his classmates at school was also Ray. Um, it was a one of his friends It was a girl. And I I was just like I was really happy. Like he really likes Rey. And I was like, Yeah, you should. Ray's really awesome. Like, um it, it just made me really, really happy. Um I was asking him this year who he wanted to be and he was talking about um Ahsoka, who was like another female Jedi um, Love it. From uh from the Clone Wars. So um, I love it. Yeah. It was I mean like it's just it's just very cool um, to see him em- embrace that and embrace it because he really likes the character. He thinks the character's cool, and the character is, like, it's an interesting story. Both of them have have interesting stories. He's excited for The Last Jedi. And so Disney's really uh, really figured this this out. And
0: Well, and I'm glad that Disney is, like, understanding it because it, it keeps being the story out of Hollywood and television of, like, what do you have like a diverse cast or you appeal to women and you do better at the box office? Like girls trip just passing a hundred million. million; are right. over like 110 million now. And it's just like, it's not a surprise. You just made a good movie with great stars and the it appealed to like new audiences and, and, and also with mass appeal, like across audiences. It's right. just like, it just shouldn't be surprising anymore. It shouldn't be a news story. anymore. Yeah. That's a good. Point. But I'm super excited for like uh and Time and some of these other upcoming Disney things which right. I will surely fangirl about in future podcasts.
1: and <laughs> <laughs> Times Disney too? Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, that's,
0: that's going to be amazing.
1: Very exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's not just Disney. Disney Junior has um has also um picked up The uh, the baton, so to speak. You found this article, right, in Teen Vogue? Yeah,
0: so it's Teen Vogue crushing it with just everything. Let's just give a shout out to Teen Vogue. Um, But they pointed out that in a recent episode of Doc McStuffins, there was an interracial lesbian couple that were the parents in the episode, and what people really liked about it was it had nothing to do with the plot, that they were, like, different. It was just about, like, earthquake preparedness. But this couple just happened to be just not the the typical heteronormative right. mom and dad, you know, yeah. and uh, the two moms were voiced by Wanda Sykes and Portia de Rossi, who are lesbians. And so like, that's great too. And I think that like in this teen Vogue piece, they talk about how happy they were to be a part of that. In fact, because it wasn't the center of the story. And it's just, you know, again, like seeing, having kids, all different kinds of kids see their families represented in their media is really exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool. And I liked how they sort of put it that, um, yes, we have a very long way to go, um, in terms of sort of visibility, inclusiveness, but like, this was a good step. It was a good step in the right direction. And like that, that little victory should be celebrated. That's, I really like that. I I think that's true. Um, it's, It was great to see. Um, We're definitely going to link to to both of these articles. And the last one we wanted to cover was actually something going on at Target.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a couple podcasts ago, we had Lisa Radcliffe from... pumpkin Futs on you know, talking about like kids with like different sensory needs and targets cat and jack line which i love it's so adorable and well designed but they've released um sensory friendly pieces so you know like all the things like Itchy tags and like uncomfortable things that like, you know, like kids, um, with sensory issues have trouble feeling comfortable in their clothes right. that target is paying attention to this is just wonderful. Like it's just very inclusive of, yeah. uh, of all kids who would be shopping there.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I think, um, it's really, really smart. And then you see that, um, You know, one of the things we talk about in KidMap is sort of expanding your audience or sort of making sure that you have, your team is made up of a diverse group of people or sort of experts who can help you in a certain area. And they went out and and reached out to different organizations to sort of help them um, think through the design and sort of think through how should the pieces be created and how do we make it sensory friendly. Um, and what does that mean for different people? And, and that's, that's really smart that, you know, they follow the best practice and, and you know, yeah, this... all the
0: things that we've, we've been talking about right. in our toolkit of right. just like, go get your experts. Right. Oh, and while we're talking about target, we should give a shout out to Tokoboka. I don't know if you've seen yeah, their gender neutral clothing, the clothing line there. Yeah. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. I mean, we love Boca anyway, but the, the pieces Pop. are yep. really cool. Like, they're, they're just super well designed and hip and yeah. like Cat and Jack. It's just like it sits really well next to Cat and Jack <laughs> in Target. Like, I really like shopping there for my kids.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's very exciting. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll link to that one. I Hopefully we can track down the Boca clothing one too. Maybe we can oh, link sure. to that as, as well. Um, I think that's going to do it for, for this week. Um, we, we are not making any promises for next week, but, um, you know, we'll be, be sure to, uh, to make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. We always have consistent articles. And, of course, sign up for our newsletter. Amy- and
0: we have a great guest coming up. We have David Grandinson coming up, who is the co-founder of DIY Doc.
1: That's right. Oh, uh, yes, stay tuned for that. All right, folks, we are really excited to have David Grandison, friend of the pod, multimedia producer, and co founder of DIY Doc, on with us today. David, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. So, can you give us a little background? What is DIY Doc, and where did the idea come from?
2: Sure. Uh, DIY Doc is an app that allows people to create short films with a purpose for a specific cause or for a company that is trying to create a message around a short story. Um, DIY Doc allows people to become storytellers and it facilitates the process of organizations or companies creating short stories with a message. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. And it's is it primarily
2: targeted towards towards youth? DIY doc isn't targeted towards youth, but I think because of my background sure. and uh you know in, in educational media, um I tend to move it in the direction of youth oriented projects because it's a very easy way to scaffold people into the process of filmmaking I
1: see I see and and how um, how did you sort of uh, how did you come up with this idea and then sort of like how how long has it been around where 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 is it now in in its is it in its infancy what w- what would you say
2: yeah right now um, Let's start at the beginning. Sure. DIY Do you know Doc was a, a idea that um, John Carlin, my uh, my partner and myself, came up with very, very uh, organically. Um, I think both of us had been working on very similar types of um, projects and similar types of ideas around trying to democratize filmmaking and trying to enable people to utilize mobile devices to make better films. Mm -hmm. And so it came about through a synergy of us commuting back and forth from New York to our home in, in, in New Jersey and uh, really you know brainstorming on this. And uh, you know be, you know because John, is, you know, Carlin, um, is is very, very much connected in the tech space. Uh, mm-hmm. having started a, a company called Funny Garbage, he he was really able to pull together the means for us to to get this app off the ground. And uh, you know, and I was able to you know start the process of, of wireframing and kind of pulling together the the concept, so that we you know were able to really um, with a you know with a, a reasonable budget pull together this app that is now um, launched in the iOS uh, app store. Awesome. Uh, yeah, can you talk
0: a little bit about how it works? Because I think what's really ingenious about you is you can know very little about documentaries and jump right in.
2: Yeah, that, 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 I think that um, my background is in documentary film production. I've I've worked on you know a wide variety of documentaries. Um, John likewise has also worked on um, documentaries. Both of us have worked on music documentaries primarily, and so we we really synergized around the idea of being able to help people who don't have an understanding of f- uh, filmmaking to be able to create a film that is of a higher quality than you would normally find being shared in social media uh, that that has the opening title cards, has closing cards, um, and that is packaged for uh, delivering a message of a of an organization or, again, a company that's interested in really putting... Uh, creating stories that provide messages on specific, uh, initiatives that they are putting out there. And so the process is, is very much the process that I would use as a filmmaker in that you're given a concept and you're then walked through the process of, Looking at a storyboard that has been created by a professional like myself or a docu- or, or, or another director that we have partnered with, um, and taken through the questions that need to be asked. And as you answer these questions, you are creating a film. And uh, one of the things that we are very thoughtful about is we're creating a, we're utilizing the narrative structure. To help you make a film that is going to be effective in bringing your audience to a climax and then closing with either a call to action or some type of closing message that is really important to the storytelling process. You know, many times you end up having people when they're making um, films for social media that is a rant. And doesn't have an opening, does not have a closing, and ends up being very uh, truncated and and not s- delivering a message with with a closing. And so, what we've tried to do is to build a story arc into every template that we create, so that anybody can create a a film that utilizes the narrative structure effectively to um to to tell a story. And we've started with helping organizations that have a cause or what we call telling stories that matter, stories that are very important uh-huh. you know, around issues you know, that, that range from um, helping people to understand what the lives of people who are living with HIV are like you know, to uh, telling stories um, of, of activists that are in the field working. Uh, against these things. So you know we've got a wide variety of different types of, of stories that, that we're currently telling on the DIY Doc app that's currently in the app store, the iOS app store, that is.
1: Yeah, that that uh, that makes a lot of sense. I think one of the things that you said on the website is sort of the focus, the filmmakers focus on the story and not the tools. And it sounds like that's sort of what the narrative framework allows them to do is answering those questions, sort of going through the, the template gives them... Um, gives them what they need so that they can actually focus on telling the story that 's really cool
2: yeah, absolutely. You know we found that it's it's been very, very successful for um, you know for, for groups that don 't have a lot of money and can 't afford to send you know a, a film crew for a hundred thousand dollars out to make a commercial. We're enabling organizations like this to crowdsource the creation of a wide variety of films that are very authentic, that are that are that will be shared by the people that create them and uh, will enable you know these organizations to reach many, many more people than would um, be reached by a commercial that they then have to either pay to be aired on TV or they have to. Send out into social media and hope that it, it it has resonance and and is shared by audiences.
1: So how so you you and and John come up with this idea? It sounds like coming back and forth on a train from New Jersey to New York. You get something <laughs> together, and then you decided to beta test it in Uganda. How did how did that happen? I mean that, that well, seems one like one of
2: our. One of our early funders was Alicia Keys, uh, and um, that's we handy. Are, we are here. <laughs> she uh, she really um, understood the, the the message and the, the the ability of the tool to really be able to reach the, to reach people who may not normally be as willing to speak to a film crew. And so I ended up going, um, being funded by Alicia Keys and the uh, the We Are Here movement. And um, I ended up going to Uganda uh, to train youth activists to create short films. Um, we created uh, we created a template for creating uh, short films about your life as an activist we created a template for refugees to be able to tell their stories we created uh, a template for people living with HIV um, Alicia is a huge funder of AIDS orphanages in uh, in in both South Africa and East Africa she she uh, she gives a lot of money to various organizations um, that, that that help uh, refugees um, and and she is very very instrumental in doing these things and so we were able to create templates that helped her to tell those stories and uh, you know we were able ultimately and very successful at, uh, creating you know a number of short films that really talked and spoke to uh, the, the challenges that uh, these different groups are, are living with every day. and it was in their own words and it was done um, at a much lower cost than if she had sent uh, film crews out. To all of these different places. Um, you know, we did it basically by bringing together a train the trainer model with youth from South Africa, Durban, um, uh, East Africa, Rwanda, uh, yeah, Kenya, um, in India, in various parts of India, Kigali, India being one of the, the main right. places. And we trained them, and then they went to their centers all over the world and spoke to people in their centers and let them tell their own stories. And again, a very successful, very, very heartwarming project. You know, again, it was just really a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to uh, to work with these groups. Yeah,
0: that's- it's such an interesting medium, too, for, like, these young people. Like, what you're saying, it depends on who's behind the camera, that to have, like, another young person behind the camera asking about the story, plus the confidence of the young person behind the camera who's, like, sort of creating this message, it must be, like, a really Rewarding circular loop for the kids. Did you find that to be the case?
2: Absolutely. Um, we, you know, we found that it, it's, a, it's a cathartic uh, experience for people who had not really had the voice to be able to speak about the challenges that they had. You know, they found it very, very cathartic to be able to speak about on the challenges that they have and the fact that they are living happy lives. Uh, Mm -hmm. The the stigmas in East Africa, in India, in South Africa around living with HIV are very heavy. It is is a dangerous life to live, not because of the virus itself, but because of the stigmas Mm -hmm. that people hold against the people who live with the virus and or people who will who, who announce and are open about their status and so an app like this allowed people to share their stories either anonymously or, uh, you know, or openly, and it allowed them to really start breaking down these stigmas. And, and again, I've got to uh, speak to Keep a Child Alive, who was one of the one of the key funders of this project as well. Uh, in that they they were they were the the, the driving force behind the actual. Uh, train the trainer sessions that we had and uh you know again other organizations like oxfam care you know all of these organizations partnered together to really make it a successful project
0: can you talk a little bit about like what's happening here like your work with the kings county district attorney
2: yeah absolutely um you know currently we're working with um HITN and the Kings County District Attorneys Bureau of Youth Initiatives uh, to help Tell the stories of youth living in Brooklyn and uh, and Kings County in general. We're um, you know through through Ed's Green at, at HITN uh, and and a number of other uh, in, uh, in, you know people who are really behind helping us uh, create. High-quality stories. Uh, we were able to create a platform in Brooklyn where we are, uh, where we've been funded to uh, create digital storytelling toolkits that contain a uh, iPod Touch, phone, a high-quality mic, uh, tripod, um, and we're able to put these into classrooms and enable youth to tell stories around. Uh, and p- to prevent cyberbullying, you know, we created two templates. One template that is a 60-second news template, and another template that is an opinions template, which is to create, you know, somewhat of an op-ed type story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're challenging young people in Brooklyn to speak to the DA about issues that are in their community to create PSAs to prevent youth from running down the path of uh, of, of cyberbullying and uh, related issues like um, cyberbanging, uh, sexting. Uh, a lot of the issues that the Kings County District Attorney's Office is running into and are becoming more and more prevalent, you know, we're now empowering youth to tell stories to stop youth from running into the challenges uh, of the judicial system. And so we're really, really excited about it. It's, it's currently um, in the pilot test mode and and hopefully, um, you know, in the 2017-2018 uh, school year, we'll be able to roll it out full steam and, uh, and have these digital uh, storytelling kits going into classrooms so that youth will be able to start creating films that will be shared with the DA and will become uh, talking points will become prevention tools will ultimately teach the kids creating these stories how to, uh, m- how to mitigate challenges around um, cyberbullying mm-hmm. and, ch- and, and organizations that can help them. Because a big part of this is you, you're not only telling about it you're telling a story about an issue or creating a pSA to stop someone from learning about the issue, but you have to have a call to action, and that's a important part of that so in that students are learning where they can go for help and so you know we're really we're really excited to roll this thing out in brooklyn um, uh, this fall
1: yeah this this is really awesome so is the is the pilot program was that something that started in the summer or it's, or it's starting now in as part of the, the school year, we've been piloting this all summer. Awesome. We've had
2: some very successful uh, films uh, that have been made by youth. You know, and, and you can you know you can see uh, some of the films on uh, on uh, the DIY Doc uh, YouTube channel or on uh, DIY Doc TV. Um, but you know, ultimately, uh, the films that we've been creating are, are are really what's going to be shown in schools, and uh, these are these are films that are, are are exemplar videos, so that we can take them into schools and teach young people how to create um, these stories and and, and basically crowdsource. Um, Youth voices and share youth voices with uh, with um, the district attorney's office uh, in in Brooklyn. Are
0: there ways that the kids have surprised you in the ways that they're using it, or like in the specific <laughs> films that they've made?
2: Oh my God, that is that's a great question because they surprise us every time we put the tool in their hand. You know, it, we've had you know we we haven't. Um, used a lot of music, for example, in our in in the process, and that's only because of licensing challenge. But you know, we, we get films sure. back with music, and we're like, how did you get the music in there? And they're like, yeah, you know, oh, we just held the mic up to another phone that was playing the track. You know, they they hack the system and they figure <laughs> out ways to make it do what they wanted to do, and and it's beautiful because that's what I, as a filmmaker, want to see. Is and I just
0: like to- any low budget documentary filmmaker, you make. It work,
1: right? <laughs>
2: exactly. They make it work. They make it do what they want it to do. They, you know, and again, the creativity is incredible. I mean, I, I just was so blown away in 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 and the last session that we had, you know, where students were really creative, naturally, filmmakers that were just trying things, shooting at you know incredible angles using text on screen printing out uh statistics you know and and really just trying a lot of things to make these films compelling to other youth and that's the whole purpose of this thing is we want the voices of youth to be heard we want it to be authentic and we want them to care about what uh what messages they're seeing because it's from their peers
1: yeah i i mean there's got to be a level of of authenticity for sure because it's the kids shooting it have, um, so once they, they sort of shoot it on the app, then in, where can they can push the video then directly onto YouTube? Like, do they make a channel or sort of how, um, like, like, not even just the, the kids, if we're just talking about a, a, a user who downloads it, what can they do after, after they've um, shot it to sort of distribute it?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, that's another great question because uh, the way we've created the app, you After you've created your film, you are uploading it to the cloud. And in about five minutes, uh, the high quality video is returned to you with again, titles, credits, any interstitial text that we want to appear between scenes. Um, and obviously, uh, credits for the Hispanic information and telecommunications network, the sponsor and the Kings County district attorney's office of bureau initiatives who are our sponsors in this project. And so they're able to, um, you know, you're, you're able to get this high-quality film back in your mailbox very quickly, but it also offers options to share to Twitter, uh, YouTube, or Facebook, and um, the primary place where we will be starting to publish the best films will be on the DIY Doc um, YouTube channel. Uh, many times the, the the organizations that we've worked with want to be able to moderate them and want to be able to um, you know pick the best of the best but eventually we will probably open it up and 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 allow people to to see many of the other films that are being created but obviously during the app development process we're we're making we're, we're not putting everything out there we're, Right. We're being, very, very thoughtful as we start to um, seed uh, and put and, and put out uh, the videos from the project. That's that's uh, that's really cool.
0: You can see a community forming around this for sure.
2: Yeah, we hope we hope for you know for that to happen. And again, I think that it will happen organically. But in the pilot stages, you know, we're we're you know again just trying to be very thoughtful. And you know, we want to make sure that we're you know we're respectful of uh, you know of, of people who are sharing with us um, you know information and many times very personal information. You know, we, we want to be respectful of that as we're as we're starting to roll this uh, this app out.
1: Yeah, that's that's great.
0: So as you're like watching news, it being like kind of a tumultuous and perhaps divisive <laughs> time right now. Do you see ways in which you'd love to disseminate this app to kind of help bridge some of those divides?
2: Oh, my God. I would I would so love to see someone at a rally push this app out to the people within the rally to let them tell their thoughts about why they're there you know these are the types of uh stories that i would just love as a documentary producer to uh to be able to see being shared because again everyone who goes to you know a a rally feels very strongly about it for one reason or another and and i think that uh app like this um allows these voices to be amplified and and that's ultimately our goal is to mm-hmm. amplify the voices of people who are working toward um, po- positive social change. Um, you know, again, there's always a challenge when you place something out into the public. You know that that, that anybody can speak to it. But again, I, I'm all for the First Amendment, and, and again, I think that I, I would love to just see messages um, being shared. And, uh, and and high quality messages, thoughtful messages. You know, I think that's the most important part of it. That you know, we're we're t- talking people through the process of making a high quality film where you're. You're, you're telling what your views are, and you're supporting those views with some type of facts or, or statistics or uh, meaningful information. Uh, that's the key to these different, um, you know, stories that are being told. And so, if we're able to uh, to, to create a platform for that, you know, we're, we're ecstatic to to be able to start rolling this out to, uh, you know, to two groups that really want to amplify uh, their messages.
0: Yeah, you can think of a ton of different applications. Right, with. yeah.
1: It's, yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's a really great idea. And and, um, and I think the beauty of it is, like you said, the, the simplicity of sort of um, allowing them to focus on, on the story and letting sort of the other pieces fall into place naturally with, with how the, the structure, like the structure of the app allows them to, to focus on just that, which is great. Um, so... So people can can find out more. the The app's just on iOS right now, right? Any plans to go currently out to yes. Android?
2: <laughs> currently, yes, <laughs> yeah. it, it is um, iOS only at this point. Uh, with with hopefully our next capital infusion, we'll be able to move to the uh, to the to the Android platform. You know, mm-hmm. we're excited to do that. Uh, but but at this point, we're we're iOS only.
1: Right, and and sort of if you look at the roadmap overall, what do you guys sort of see? Like, are you getting um, consistent feedback from from the people using the app that
2: that sort of will has driven sort of the features you think will will come come to be yeah, absolutely. you know every time we we have uh, pilot sessions and, and and we test it, you know obviously we're, we're finding we're having epiphanies and, and, and learning and finding new features and, and being asked for new features and we're rolling those in as we're able to. Um, so you know again, it, it's an organic, process of development and uh you know again we're we're just you know we're we're learning new things and and trying to offer New features as much as we're able, and as you said, you know, we, we hope to be able to start building out more uh, more community type tools. But at this point, our our biggest goal is to move to the Android platform, uh, you know. And, and again, that's like completely rebuilding the app. Right. <laughs> so, right. So that's right. Like, <laughs> that's a project <laughs> that we're uh, you know that, that we're we're we'll, we 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 can not wait to start on uh, you know, once we're able to to move to the you know next round of funding.
1: Nice. That's that's great. So people should visit diydoc.tv to find out to find out more. And if are are you guys on uh, on social media on Facebook or Twitter that that they could uh, they could reach out.
2: Yes. Yeah. You can follow me at at Grandison uh, again because we're still in the pilot phases. We haven't rolled out our channels uh, sure. heavily. Um, so the the channel that I would say right now we're in the process and and uh, of of pushing to mostly is the YouTube channel. Um, and, And I think from there, we'll start branching out to some of the other channels. But, you know, ultimately we are really living on the channels of the organizations that we're working with. Right. And so it, diy doc as a channel itself is 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 going to really sit on top of other people's social networks we want an organization to come to us and say we're going to push all of our films into our social channel and so that's the thrust and that's why we haven't built a huge social presence around diy doc and we're really trying to stand behind the partners that are coming on board and yeah we again we've We've got a number of them, uh, you know, that that are really uh, coming on board, and and you know, again, we don't want to outshine their channels, of and course. So uh, we we want to be sharing from their channels.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we will definitely link to to the app and to the to the site, um, in our newsletter and and in the show notes. But uh, David, thanks so much for your time. We are uh, we're excited to uh, to bring you back as as more partners come on.
2: Oh well, we appreciate it, and you know we're ecstatic that you know you've been able to you know provide such a great platform, you know to highlight um, you know uh, indie app developers <laughs> like 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 myself and and, and you know John Carlin. Uh, you know again, I, I failed to mention that John Carlin is also. Uh, founder of Red Hot, an organization that supported AIDS for um, AIDS, AIDS research um, for many, many, many years, and so he has a long, long history of uh, of, of activism and uh, you know creating tools that, that, that help uh, you know people to really be able to uh, you know to do things that are important for society. And so, yeah, you know, again, it's just a pleasure to be able to come on your show and, and talk a little bit about uh, you know what we do.
0: Thank you. It's amazing stuff.
1: This episode of Diversity Sauce is sponsored by the Joan Ganz Cooney Center. Music is by Kamala Shankaro.
0: Learn more about KidMap at joinkidmap.org.
1: And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at joinkidmap.
0: Thanks for listening.